OK Guard Show. I'm Staff Sergeant Brian Schroeder, and today we are coming to you via video teleconference in an effort to do our part in reducing the spread of COVID-19 by practicing our social distancing. We still want to bring you informative and entertaining content about the Oklahoma National Guard, but in a way that protects ourselves as well as our guests from the spread of this global pandemic. Today, we bring you the final episode in our three-part series on how to make sure you, your family, and your social distancing partners can maintain a healthy mindset while we are all collectively trying to survive in the time of COVID-19. For our third episode titled Endurance and Perseverance, we sit down with Oklahoma National Guard Behavioral Health Specialist, Patricia Mathis-Kerr, who has some great tips on how to endure and persevere through the end of the COVID-19 outbreak and into the new and changing world in which we currently find ourselves. Okay, uh, today we're gonna be talking about endurance and perseverance. Uh, having endurance and perseverance through any hardship, any struggle can be a very valuable tool for any one of us to have. Uh, and with us today, we have a very special guest. Uh, please go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what you do for the Oklahoma National Guard. Hello, I am Captain Patricia Mathis Kerr. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. On the traditional side of the guardhouse, I'm a embedded behavioral health officer for the 45th Field Artillery Brigade. Okay. On the non-traditional side, the civilian side, I am a contracted behavioral health coordinator for Quality, Innova Quality Innovations Inc. Okay. What that means is I kind of do the same thing in uniform and out of uniform. Okay, good. So you have a lot of personal experience that you can bring to the civilian side of the job when it comes to helping soldiers because you've been there, done that. Exactly. Yes, I've been on both sides, both family, deployed, military, practicing, civilian practicing. Okay, so how long have you been uh, doing both roles, the military and civilian side? Well, so for the military role, I have been doing this for over six years. Okay. For the civilian side, I started working with the National Guard two years ago, just about. Now, Very I was nice. doing before that, but not for the military, it was civilian side. Okay. Okay, good. So you've got quite a bit of experience on your belt in, in handling uh, resiliency and, and helping people through hardship, especially people in the military. So that's good. Oh, yeah. I've been in. Uh, this is my 20th year. Wish me luck on getting a good year with this COVID thing going on. <laughs> I think that they're probably going to work things to where people can telework a good year. I don't know. I don't know how they will. Work. I was I HR those for 12 years. We always did that. We always worked it out for the troop. Good. Well, congratulations on making it that far. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot to speak on when it comes to endurance and persevering, not just through uh, the COVID-19 experience that we're all experiencing, but also military life and just kind of life in general. So uh, let's go back to talking about the, the COVID-19 and what's on everybody's mind as we're sitting at home and not really allowed out of our own four walls, it seems like. I know, right? I have the old so, wallpaper on mine behind me, yes. It's <laughs> looking great. So since the outbreak of COVID-19 in the US, many people have had to change their personal habits, daily routines, work schedules, uh, and some cases, places of work uh, because of an un unexpected necessity. Uh, we all face hardships that are individualized, but a lot of those hardships are shared, kind of like we're experiencing now where 
we're all in this together. We're all in the same boat. Uh, so explain the difference between endurance and perseverance and how can these traits help us get through this unexpected time of inevitable change to our daily lives? Well, first, I like to keep it simple and logical, both civilian and professional side. So with that, what I mean, and I used to be a junior high teacher before I joined the military, so I always add an a educational aspect to everything. Okay. So first, let's look at endurance and perseverance, the definition. Sure. So a lot of people try to attach some form of good or bad to a definition or a word or an action. That's not usually the case. Normally, things like endurance and perseverance are tools, much like feelings are. Feelings are tools. They're neither good nor bad. They just are. What you do with them is what helps. So basically looking at the definition. So endurance, what is that? Well, it's the fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. Okay. Okay. Everybody's like, what? Let's leave that there for just a second. Okay. We'll talk more about it as we go with the further questions. On perseverance, the definition. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. So endurance can be utilized both for good and for bad. So what we call that is constructive and destructive. Same thing with perseverance. It can be constructive or destructive. It depends on how you use it. In this okay. day and age, we would like to look at it at strength-based, which is using it for constructive purposes. So as we talk on looking at new habits and looking at, looking at um, how can you apply these with aspects of your current restricted life? Well, most people watching this will be military. There will be some civilian. So I have two analogies okay. with that. So think about basic training. Almost all of us have been there. The officers that come off the street have some semblance of it with an officer basic course and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So we go into basic training. We're scared to death. We don't know what we're getting into. We've signed the contract for whatever reason, great bonus or patriotic, or in my case, I needed a part-time job. And you sure. go in and you're kind of like excited, but scared at the same time. So we kind of did that with COVID-19. It was scary, but we were kind of excited to be able to get back to home for a minute and be able to you know, reconnect and look at a kind of a new way of doing work. Right. But then you get on the bus or the plane with these other people that are going to basic with you. And then it starts hitting with the reality. And then you start getting scared because <laughs> you're like, oh, what did I sign up for? <laughs> and same thing with COVID. Now we're home. We've been here a couple of weeks and it's like, oh, what have I signed up for? So we're kind of scared. Now right. the difference is going to basic, you're kind of with people, you just don't know them. With the COVID, you're a little more isolated, but we have social media. So you can be with a bunch of people, even though you don't know them. There's a similarity. True. Very true. And you get to basic and it's really scary because now you're getting yelled at <laughs> and you're being told everything you do is wrong and you're being torn down because you're having to restructure. COVID is doing that with a lot of us. We're having to look at ourselves and restructure. Now you go through it, it's, it really is awful the whole time. You write home, I can't wait to be done with this. This is painful, um, I don't like it. And then you graduate and then you go home. And now 20 years later, we laugh at this experience 
And we're like, you know, a lot of people didn't make it along the way, did they? A lot of people left for whatever reason or just didn't make it. And we right. talk about those guys and gals and those soldiers. And But we talk fondly of basic, even though it was one of the worst experiences ever. <laughs> well, I contend that COVID-19 experience will be similar. And there's a little more detriment to the COVID being, you know, kind of a death issue that lingers based on media. But right. with basic training, you had people that didn't make it either. Now, they didn't all die. Some did, some didn't, um, based on whatever the case may be. Right. But nonetheless, you do look back on it with more of a constructive mindset than a destructive when it's over with. I think we'll be able to do the same thing with COVID-19. We endured, we persevered. So you endured through that entire period of time and you're persevered through it with all of the harshness and all the pain. Sure. No, and I, I like that analogy because basic training is a shared experience as well, much mm -hmm. like the COVID-19. You're, you're in the trenches with, with all of your battle buddies and you're all trying to get to that last day, that graduation day yeah. that you can see at the end and you can count down the days. The difference being we don't have an exact date. We really don't know how much longer we're going to have to social distance or telework. And that can lead to a lot of anxiety with, with some people and, and just fear of the unknown. So what methods or tools do you have or recommend that people can use to focus on that end that's still real hazy and we still can't quite see the end yet? So the, the second analogy I referred to earlier, um, was part of basic training and that was running your two mile run or running your morning run. And this can okay. apply to civilian personnel who are watching this that have never been in basic training or haven't had that experience. So a lot of people run or they do some form of aerobic activity or competitive activity. So the run, well, we all know that you have a certain time frame to run that two mile run in. Right. But at the same token, while you have a time frame, there is a non-time limit to that because you don't know if you're going to make it in your time frame necessarily. True. So there is an open-ended time to that. Same thing like with marathons and with any competitive running. So COVID being like a long distance run, working in the endurance and working in the perseverance, running requires both, right? Right. Well, when you work that in, how do runners do it? Well, you set short goals. Goals being the operative word. So you'll have a short goal. I need to make it to that pole. And so you'll make it to that pole. And then you can do a next short goal. All those little, those small goals, the short goals lead up to the big end. And okay. those can actually help you and empower you to come out strong at the end. Okay. So give us an example of what setting a small goal in social distancing or, or teleworking might look like. Okay. So the basics of a goal is it's called SMART, not to be confused with intelligent. So SMART is an acronym, S-M-A-R-T, and it means simple, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-oriented, SMART. Okay. So keep it simple. Um, here's a good example. I myself am having to readjust my diet and exercise plan based on a newly found medical diagnosis uh, that may be pending. So we're in the early stages of a pre, so we're trying to preventively handle that before it becomes an actual issue. 
Okay. Small dough. Um, I am a huge chocolate fan. Okay. And I, I can eat sugar all day long. That's my problem. By now, you've probably guessed what the issue is. <laughs> so what I've had to do <laughs> is make small goals. And I'm using an app to help me out with this, too, to hold me accountable. Okay. But my one small goal, I've replaced one of my snacks for the day with a piece of fruit. Okay. And I'm starting small. Um, it's, I can measure it because I can eat it and I can track that I have had one fruit for the day. Right. Um, it's simple. It's just a fruit. Um, um, it's attainable because it's easy for me to do. It's something I can realistically do and time oriented. I tell myself before the day is over, I'll have a piece of fruit. Okay. So I keep all the elements of the smart goal in line with that piece of fruit. What in each goal is each person's going to have a different goal based on their environment, what's going on. That's just an example of how to keep one to lead up. So over time, I will adjust from one piece of fruit to lessening my sugar intake and increasing healthy healthier foods for that well and that is it is interesting when you look at it that from that perspective because you put yourself in charge of attaining your goal mm -hmm. you set very realistic the r and smart goals that you can attain and that are achievable based on what you set for yourself so that's that's good. So in a way that can lead to new habits, correct? You you set those goals and then for the example that you gave, you're looking to reduce the amount of of chocolate and replace that with with fruit with a, a different sweet. And then that in turn can become a daily habit where at first it may be just kind of you're trudging through this process that you don't really want to do, but then after a while it becomes part of your your personal lifestyle. So is that where you say enduring endurance and perseverance can become a good thing? It's not necessarily negative. Absolutely. So in this case, we've used endurance and perseverance. Mind you, they're just tools in a constructive manner. So it's like a hammer. If you take a hammer, the hammer's just a tool, right? Right. Take a hammer and you hammer nails into boards and put them together constructively, you've got a house. Yeah, I mean, with a few bent nails, but yeah. If you take the, exactly, if you take the hammer and you start busting up important items like vases and whatnot, that's taking the tool and using it destructively. Okay. So in this case, we're gonna utilize the tool constructively. So how would I know if I'm approaching something constructively or destructively if i'm wielding the hammer and i'm about to come down how do i know that what i'm coming down on is something that needs to be hammered versus something that is just going to get destroyed that's going to be where analysis and reality testing is going to come into play so first thing is when you're using the tool take a look around you you will always have feedback. You will always have a grounding opportunity. That doesn't mean you take it, but it's there. Okay. So say I have my hammer and I'm about to knock out something. Am I hitting the nail or am I hitting a vase? Well, I have to stop and look at what I'm hitting first, right? True. If I'm looking at the vase, that's probably where I'm going to wield my hammer. If I'm looking at the nail, that's probably where I'm going to wield the hammer. So it's where you're looking at the time. 
That okay. could mean whether you're in crisis mode or whether you've calmed down and you're actually reality testing, meaning you're kind of looking at things for what they are, not for what you're making up in your mind. And where you look is where you're going to wield the hammer. So uh, I, I like this hammer and in, in vase analogy. Let's keep with it. So, good. yeah, yeah, they literally are tools that we can use. So uh, what can I do to make sure that what I'm hitting is and this kind of touches on what we just talked about, but how can I make sure that I'm not creating something that uh, is actually more destructive or, or creating an unnecessary hardship that I don't have to put myself through, that I don't have to pull out my hammer and nail? You know, maybe maybe it's it's a nail that's already been put in or it's a nail that doesn't even need to go. How do I know when my hammer needs to be used? So on a big scale, if you have your goals, you're looking at those. When it comes down to wielding the hammer, you're going to look. Look at your goal. What is your goal? Look at your surroundings. Is that where it's supposed to be? I.e. the nail. Is that the nail I'm supposed to hit? Okay. And then you take a minute. A lot of people are impatient these days. So taking that second and giving yourself permission to take a moment is okay. You don't have to act immediately. I know a lot of people feel like they need to with a sense of urgency, but that's not always the case. The majority of the time you can take a minute. So mindfully kind of look at your environment, what's going on. Use statistics and observations only. So I'm not going to give a diagnosis. I'm not going to give an assumption. I'm just going to write down, I'm going to mentally write down or physically write down what's going on. So is okay. that nail, is it marked for this? Is that the one I'm supposed to hit? Is that the instruction I've been giving? Is that part of my goal? Then you're okay. going to kind of question yourself. And then you'll get an answer, yes or no. Okay, if, it, if it's not, then, oh, I probably shouldn't hit that hammer. Or, oh, yeah, that is part of my goal. It meets all of these criteria. Sure, I can hit that hammer or that nail with a hammer. So let's try uh, small goals. Um, I'm having difficulty, and a lot of peers that I've spoken to are also having difficulty keeping their parents on this uh, social distancing and it's, it seems to be like pulling teeth and I'm glad to know that it's not just me. So what are some goals that they can set for themselves that can be attainable, the SMART goals, mm -hmm. but that also feel like they are not having to trudge through this horrible obstacle and horrible hardship? How can they approach that in not necessarily in a fun way, but maybe an optimistic way for, for social distancing. Do you say, okay, well today I'm only going to see two people. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a goal and it's an attainable goal, but it's not a realistic goal because we're not supposed to be going to see anybody at this time. Right. Exactly. To prevent the, to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. which if you go visit them and all of a sudden they get sick or they are sick or you're sick, was it really worth going to meet that person? Probably not. So what goals can you have? Do you, do you set goals that keep you inside? Like, man, I've got this closet that I've been wanting to clean out for ages and now I have the time. Or is it, okay, when I go to the grocery store, 
I'm going to buy enough food that will last me X number of days so I don't have to go back every day or every other day. So the answer to that is yes. Okay. <laughs> so We're done. You're not alone <laughs> with the worrying about your parents. First off, you have to remember they're your parents. They've done a lot more than we have. We have to give them credit for that. We may think we know best, but we don't always know best. True. Two, with like, my mom doesn't know I'm going to talk about her, but I'm going to talk about her. So, yeah, my so mom my mom, either, sorry, mom. <laughs> my mom's in that age group too. And so we do discuss because she just experienced a huge loss in her life and she's figuring out how to get it back out and reconnect. About the time she started reconnecting, COVID-19 hit. Mm. So it puts quite the damper on moving forward with reconnection. So she and I actually talked about it. So we keep an open dialogue. I have to be willing to accept what she's saying too. So, and a good example was shopping, going to Walmart and whatnot. Believe it or not, that is a great outing for all older folks who want to get out and connect, but don't want to necessarily sit at a coffee house all day. Mm -hmm. So they'll go to Walmart, right? Like Walmart, an example. Sure. So with my mom particularly, we talked about going in. Well, should you go in all the time? Well, when she would go in, she would wipe everything down. Um, she would take her precautions. But as we found out, not all precautions are, are going to be effective. True. So that raises more anxiety. So I said, well, if, the, if these are not always effective, what else can we do? And so she was like, well, maybe I can limit my time going. Go earlier, not as much during the week. So we did that. Um, as more and more came about and as COVID-19 started hit, hitting Oklahoma harder and the reality starts coming out more, you have to remember your parents have to accept this too. And each, everybody accepts it in their own way in their own time. So as my mom was accepting it, this week she started doing the order online and have them bring it to your car, which is a huge jump from going in and just wiping everything down. <clears throat> Excuse me. So. Sure. So she has made a huge leap in a week and I make sure I give her those kudos for someone who doesn't do Facebook, who doesn't do most social media. That's a huge jump to be able to go online shopping <laughs> Sure. and to do something like that. So she herself, without realizing it, has set smart goals. They were small, simple, measurable, attainable, realistic. Now we didn't have a specific time, but I would back in that when I talked to her with, well, when are you going to try that? Okay. And she came up with a time. Well, I'll try it Monday. Well, let me know how it goes, you know? And so as we go, she enjoys that freedom of being able to make her own decision and try to do something safely without me impeding and without me having to feel anxious because I don't control her life. A lot of kids don't realize they don't control their parents. You don't sure. control them. <laughs> so, but you can encourage and empower them so right. that you feel less anxious. Well, like you were saying before, goals that you set are very individualistic and they can be, but when we're all commiserating and we're, we're all kicking our feet in the same pool of sadness and sorrow, if you want to look at it that way of having to stay at home, uh, maybe it's good to know what other people's goals are so that by encouraging, we are also helping to endure. We're seeing how other people are endure which will help us in the long run persevere. So, so maybe it is good to help or to stay, stay in communication with your friends, with your family, help them set goals that they can attain. And that's one way we can keep checking on each other. Yes. 
What are a few brain health techniques or practices that you would recommend um, that we can use to motivate our mental health to be clean and sanitized? Like a shopping cart at Walmart should be, hopefully. (laughs) Right. If your mom's going, it would be. Well, I wish we had the Clorox for the brain, but we don't. (laughs) So one thing you can do, be patient with yourself. I'm an impatient person. I'm tolerant, but impatient. So I have to stop and go, it's okay for me to try to transition. The unrealistic expectations that come with being patient or impatient really can play with our anxiety. So I may have this expectation that I can be home and I can do all this. This is like a Saturday when I'm not at work. Mm. Not true. We now have children at home that we have to teach. If you've never been a teacher, there you go. Um, You're also working from home or you may have just lost your job. Another level of anxiety. Um, Also, now you're getting to see all this media exposure on how awful this can be. Now you're also separated. No human likes to be told what not to do. Or people wouldn't start drinking under the age of 18. (laughs) So we're told we have to stay home. Now we wanted to before, but now we're being told we kind of have to. Well, it changes your mindset. So refocusing that mindset to giving yourself permission, being patient with yourself, realizing this is a transition. It takes six months to a year to transition in anything new. Mm -hmm. I really hope we're not in this that long, but know that if we do come out, say May, June timeframe, we're still within a transition period. So it takes a good six months and you have to be give yourself time for that. So mindfully, that's also a tool using mindfulness, which just means taking a moment and being aware of yourself, taking a quiet moment, letting thoughts float by like a cloud in the sky, just so you can sit there and, and just let them go and not have to feel anything for a moment. Okay. Activity, Activity, definitely do stuff. You're not stuck inside your living room, get outside. It's okay. Um, you have to have oxygen for your brain to work. If you don't have oxygen, you will start getting um, what people typically know as ADHD symptomology. So no oxygen, you start getting anxious, you get restless, you can't think as well, um, you don't make the best decisions that you normally would make. That's the lack of oxygen getting to your brain. You have to work out to get that to go through your blood, which goes through your brain. So also, if you're a parent with a child who has those symptoms, exercise helps 15 to 20 minutes of work let them run you know circles in the living room let them go outside (laughs) dumping jacks you know give them a moment to be active right and then come back to it it helps the thinking and it helps the behavior set too okay um goal setting like we talked is also one of the brain cleansing tools it helps organize i know that if i can keep everything up here and i will go out start crazy So my goals, I have to write out, or I'm a techno nerd, you know, I have, you know, my new phone that you can open and close and I have my tablets. So I keep my lists and my organization on those. Okay. I have to get them out of here or it's going to get clogged up in there. So I put them out on paper or whatever your choice of means are. Um, humor. One of my biggest things is humor you will think better and have a brighter outlook if you laugh. Laughing changes the brain chemistry. 
to a positive set. Gives you a okay. little more dopamine. Hydration's definitely key. We, I know in the medical, I'm on the medical team for the fab. We can't preach hydration enough. Well, it counts for this too. Hydration is key. It keeps your brain flowing. It's part of the oxygen that your brain needs. So you, that okay. gets it from the water. Um, bright lights, sun. Uh, with my son, he likes to game. So he's an up and coming gamer. So we took and put bright lights in his room because he had dim ones before. Okay. And that made a huge difference. He came down remarking, mom, I feel like I'm awake now. I don't feel like I'm depressed. I don't feel like I'm down. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, who guessed bright lights? You know, that's my training and I never thought about it until then. <laughs> so we put bright lights in his room, but we try to get some sun too. Um, okay. And hobbies. If you don't have a hobby, it could be painful. So, and if you're like me and you like to shop online, instead of making your hobby shopping online, because it can get expensive, then- be very dangerous these days. Yeah, yeah, put everything in a, in a cart or in your list. Then go away from it, do something else, come back to it. Okay. And you'll find a lot of stuff you're like, why did I put that in there? And you don't have the buyer's remorse. So those are all little brain tools you can use. Um, the hobbies are a good one for activity and whatnot. There are more intensive therapy tools, but that's something you'd have to kind of contact us direct on. It sounds like endurance and perseverance is something that we all, we all have inside of us. We've all experienced, whether we realize it or not, it's gotten us to this point at okay. least. And uh, very simple things like setting a goal, an attainable goal, listening yeah. to your body when your body is reacting and you don't know what's happening that's your body telling you that you need to change course or do something different than what you're doing because it's not going to end well. Staying hydrated, one way to knock two of those birds out with one stone would be to set a goal to create a new hobby. Yeah. Maybe a small one. Maybe you don't set a goal to build a house. Maybe you just set a goal to change that light socket that's been out since you bought the house or Whatever that might be, that's Water those are the goals that I'm setting now. That's right, that's right. If they're looking a little wilty, that's the plant telling you it needs a little drink yeah. too. So stay hydrated, keep your plants hydrated. Uh, Patricia Mathis-Kerr, thank you so much for joining us today. Are there any resources that uh, soldiers or their families or even our listeners that are not in the military can use to uh, reach out if they're feeling down, depressed? Uh, or they just need to speak to somebody because they've lost their motivation to persevere. Absolutely. There are lots of resources, believe it or not. I thought we were going to be more limited than we are. Okay. However, I will, I will name a couple. If anybody would like more resources, um, one of the resources I'm going to give you in just a second, you can get in contact with us through that as well in text or call. Um, the first one I'm obviously going to point out there is the OK Guard app. Okay. So the OK Guard app, if you hit the crisis service um, link on there, it's a picture link, um, you'll see all the information you could ever want on resourcing, military one sources listed there, which is an excellent resource. Um, also, you can scroll down and you'll see um, the behavioral health um, coordinator block, the BHC block. 
you can click on that and it gives you all of my information, John Dixon's and Michelle Burris's information to okay. call or text if you have a question. The OK Guard app, is that, and the resources that are there on that app, is that only for guardsmen? Is it guardsmen and their family? Actually, anybody can go on there. It is an open app. Okay. Um, it's designed for anybody that may know a soldier, a veteran, a service member of any sort that needs assistance. So what happens is if you go on there, you can go to the BHC tab that I talked about. <clears throat> you can fill out the form and it will come to us. It goes directly to us. It doesn't go to anybody else. Okay. And then we, from there, we will make that determination on what level of care is needed, what resources would be best beneficial. For anyone that's civilian military, 211 is a good resource. Um, if you go online, it's 211oklahoma.org. Okay. You can go there. They have everything from financial to mental health, everything in between. You have to meet your basics. Sure. If you don't have your food, your clothing, your shelter, and your safety, you're going to have problems with everything else. So basics first, and then we move on to the other things. One last question. What do you see as positive outcomes from this whole COVID-19 experience so far? So far, it's been painful, but it's been actually a good outcome is people getting back in touch with themselves. We allow ourselves to get so busy that we avoid ourselves. So being able to sit down and accept yourself for who you are, you're not gonna like every bit of who you are, but that's okay. Do we ever really like everyone we know? No. No. So you're not gonna like everything about yourself, but that's okay. So people getting to sit down and get quiet for a minute, learn how to manage anxiety, learn to like themselves, learn to say, oh, well, I don't like this part like me. You know, I've got that part where I'm adjusting my diet and workout. I don't like that part of myself, so I'm going to work with it to see how I can get to develop it to where I like it. So, and where I don't have to worry about, you know, things that may come down range. So that's the one of the biggest good things I'm seeing come from this. And the fact that in the lack of community, in the self-isolation, which is a bad word for my field of ex experience, but in this isolation, we're finding more community. So it sounds ironic. We're not face-to-face -face physically, but we were finding ways to reconnect other ways resiliently so that we do have that community and we can reconnect. I'm seeing that really increase and improve. Now people are having to ask how, that's okay. Ask how all day long. There's no, there's no harm in asking. Right. But I'm seeing that as one of the greatest outcomes is that we're actually seeing a reconnection. We're seeing an, an education in community. So from a macro standpoint, it, it, it's daunting, but I'm seeing improvement already. Change is necessary sometimes and you don't know what's gonna come of it. And these are some good things that are coming of it. So yeah, yeah I agree And it's okay you. not to know, it's okay to be scared. That is true. All right, well, thank you so much, Patricia. We appreciate you joining us today. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I appreciate you bringing me on today for this time and the interaction we've had. This has actually been a lot of fun. Of course, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, just like everybody else, we got to figure out how to uh, do our jobs in a completely different way. So thank you so much.
The OK Guard Show is produced by the Oklahoma National Guard Public Affairs Office. Any mention of products or brands does not imply endorsement. All guests on the show are volunteers in an effort to inform and educate members of the Oklahoma National Guard, their families, retirees, potential recruits, and the community.